Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Football is officially going on forever, Andrew. The football is officially going on forever. It always is. There's really no breaks. Even when you think there's a break, there's always something happening. Well, no, and and we know that more than ever this season, with the with the way the World Cup calendar, you know, impacted the regular domestic calendar. Like this is never has a has a season been more football is going on forever than this one. And I think if you're across multiple teams and you live on a different continent, you just breathe in so many different uh, fumes of football. You imbibe so 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 many different types of football that you just end up talking about everything. And I think this po- this podcast is like it's like it's like matzo ball soup. Hmm. There's a bit of everything in it, you know. You got that little bit of pasta that they give you, and then you get a big matzo ball chunk in it, and then you get the broth, hmm. you know, the chicken, all that. Well, yeah, maybe a few vegetables in there sometimes. Sometimes some vegetables, an unnecessary yeah. kind of piece of celery. That you're like, oh, that's ruined everything. No, I don't mind that. The celery. Oh, we got to talk about celery and carrots in in, in soup someday. (laughs) I don't mind it. There's no cause, Andrew. No cause. (laughs) Uh, Let's get right into it. Uh, A few things to talk about on this podcast here this evening with all of you fine people out there. Let's start in in the Premier League, JJ, where there was a, a really big... Midweek fixture at both ends of the table with Manchester United hosting Leeds United. A nice classic rivalry, no? Oh, this this rivalry, um, they hate each other. Yeah. They just despise each other. The Leeds fans and the United fans, like the hardcore United fans, not the tourists. The, the proper United fans and the Leeds crew absolutely just despise each other. And I think even in the modern game, there's a sense from both sets of players that they understand what the fixture means. And I know that's a real old school kind of proper football man thing. Do they really know? Do the foreigners really know, Andrew, about these fixtures and the importance? Because I don't think they do. Which is not the case in this. Everybody gets uh, what this is. And you can see it in some of the tackles tonight. There's um, there's always a little bit of spice and flavor in it. Yeah, a feisty one. It was fun. I mean, it yeah, turned what? out to be a, a a really entertaining game, this one. Yeah, I didn't think the first half was great. There was a lot of, you know... I mean, it was great because Leeds were leading uh, away from home. So that gave it that kind of, uh, you know... They had the, the, the new Armas bounce, as uh, people are calling it, clearly. Um, yeah, although three... he wasn't really... Was he... True. No. He wasn't really the man in charge. No, he wasn't the man in the center. But if, if, you, if you wanted to look to the sideline... Uh, for Leeds, there was, uh, you know, there was a, a triumvirate of men uh, discussing things. Uh, but it was uh, it was Michael Scabala who was the the de facto head coach for this one. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about it, JJ. It was a fun game. Weston McKinney got his, well, not really his debut. He came on as a sub in their first one uh, in his first match against Nottingham Forest. But he got his his first start for Leeds. Um, Tyler Adams, of course, started. I should note this because Brendan Aronson came on as a sub 
for Leeds a little later on. And Paul Carr tweeted, this is the first time three U.S. internationals have been on the field together for the same team in a Premier League game since it happened with this team. Do you want to try to answer? Uh, three U.S. internationals. On a Premier League team, on the field, all at the same time. Uh, it's probably Everton. No. Full America. Yeah. Okay. So that was Joe Max Moore. No. McBride. Yeah. McBride, Dempsey, and... Uh, uh, uh. McBride, Dempsey. Go on. And Casey Keller in goal. Uh, on May 11th, 2008. There you go. 15 years ago. Yeah, I, and I think it was important tonight to note that Adams and McKenney, you know, maybe not so much in the second half where kind of United kicked into gear, but Adams and McKenney did a got through a lot of work, a lot of work in this game. Yeah, um, kind of performances that we're we're sort of accustomed to seeing from them. Tyler Adams, I mean, not I wouldn't go so far as to say responsible for the first goal. It seemed like there was a little bit of USMNT Twitter trying to push that. Um, but he did Tyler Adams things. He broke up play and helped Leeds win back possession. There was still a fair amount of work to do for them to actually convert and score there, but it sort of did start with Tyler Adams. That's what he does. Um, Weston McKinney later on, uh, you know, he was impactful in many ways in this game, but I, you know, I saw in particular, um, his last ditch tackle or deflecting the ball away kind of almost caused an own goal. Um, but, had he not gotten anything on it, it would have been a sure thing tap in for Manchester United. So an important intervention from him. Um, and Brendan Aronson came on, hit the post on a free kick. When I saw him take that free kick and hit the post, I was like, he doesn't do, he doesn't take free kicks for the U S it was a really well taken one. I kind of thought like, Oh, like this is an area where the U S often struggles. Why not try him out next time? I suppose so. I mean, it wasn't the best strike in the world, but the wall just seemed to, Seemed to separate and it, it made its way through and hit the like the base of the post. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I I know Leeds will, will they'll probably be upset being two 0 up at at Castle Grayskull and not being able to get away with three points. But I mean, just to get a point now, a positive result, it's something. Yeah. Um, whose point is this? Like. Yeah, you know, I, I listened. I watched the uh, the highlights afterwards from the the Leeds call of it, uh, and when the game ended, you know, it's it's their announcers. They went, they were pretty hardcore. Oh, I wouldn't yeah. say they went crazy, but like there was there was jubilation in their in their call of the final whistle blowing, and I, and I get it. Um, it's at Old Trafford. It's a it's you know for Leeds to go there and not lose is obviously important, but. Mm, when you're up two goals in the second half of a game, it's it is tough to walk out of there with a draw. I think you have to put it in the context of the week. I mean, it's only three days since they lost away at Nottingham Forest. Then they had the manager sacked. You know, I was listening to the Square Ball podcast and uh, Leeds United podcast, and um, I mean, they were just hoping not to get smashed. <laughs> they were hoping for something and a point. I think a point is a good result. Like you said, when you're 2-0 up, maybe it doesn't feel so good, but I think uh, for the traveling fans to come out of there, uh, it takes a point away from United, a kind of another stutter. I, I, I mean, th- for those people who are holding on to hope that if if Arsenal can go into a little bit of a wobble and United can, can push themselves into a, a title conversation, well, these kind of results aren't going to do that. They're not going to do that. So um, 
so it was good from that angle, I think. Um, and just to see a, a Leeds team not get turned over. That's, I mean, losing the way at first and then having to go to Old Trafford is, it's not, it's not the exact, um, there's no pick me up here usually, but um, they started well, they scored the, you know, there's, if you watch that performance, you'd have to say there's enough in this team to stay up. Like, I think so too. I, think I agree. There's, there's, there's more in this side than there is in it. And I'm not saying that Everton won't stay up, but if you were put to put them up against Everton, I, I'd far sooner have Leeds United's players as imperfect as that squad is, then I'd have Everton's, then I'd have Forest's, actually, if you want to throw that in, uh, seeing as we mentioned them. So um, so I think it's a good point. But we've kind of known this. I mean, that was sort of, like, we even just talked about well, it the other know, day when Andrew, we talked there's... about Jesse Marsh, that, like, the performances and the point total weren't aligned with each other. Like, it felt like they do play better than what they had earned so far this season so we we've kind of always known that they have it in them they just for whatever reason they they have a hard time turning that into wins um much of the way that they that kind of played out today like they had a two goal lead but they just they can't hang on for the three points they got right. out with one here and it's good because it's at old trafford but it's it's kind of emblematic of some of their problems all throughout the season yeah i i i do think that while I, i've just said that i i prefer to have this squad i mean you would like at some point for Banford to really start hitting the target. Mm-hmm. Like that has to, that has to start. Like how are they, especially like, with Rodrigo out now for a couple months. Yeah. And, and the, and the fullback positions as well. I mean, and I, I, I there was concern about center back too. So have they solved all these problems? Don't know. Um, Mestia made a, a couple of really big saves as well in the second half to make sure that it wasn't a defeat and that they came away with something. So, Look, I think it's it's one of those results where you're like, okay, it's a settler. All right, the rot has somewhat been stopped, and and the, it's something to build on. I mean, yeah. this is all irrelevant if they go into their next game and and uh, and don't kick on from that. Like that's that's just the facts. But um, yeah, um, looking at the United side of it, I mean, obviously, it's again an impressive fight back. They get a point from a match that they could have very easily lost. But it's it's not what they want coming into, you know, facing a relegation candidate at home. I know it's midweek. It's a busy fixture schedule. That that was true for Leeds, too. United should be taking three points in a game like this, uh, but they don't. And I wanted to mention something, JJ. Um, Casemiro's absence. So Opta Joe tweeted, yeah. um, Manchester United averaged 2.3 points per game while conceding 0.7 goals per game when Casemiro has started in the Premier League this season compared to 1.4 points per game and 2.1 goals conceded per game when he hasn't started. I don't know if that's coincidence. Um, I could probably dive deeper into those numbers and go back and look at some of the goals, but I'll I'll just go with them tweeting that and and say that that is that I mean that is jarring. The, the difference is there. 0.7 goals per game conceded when he's there, 2.1 when he's not. He's a difference maker. Yeah, certainly. And and I don't think the ideal um, scenario for Ayrton Hag would have been going into this game with Fred and then the newly installed Sabitzer in the side. You know, that's not that's a midfield that wouldn't have a, a great kind of simpatico together. And Fred's kind of reverted to the Fred we used to know tonight rather than the much improved Fred with Casemiro on the side. So there's that's part of it as well. Um, I also think, you know, Ericsson is is a huge loss to this side. Sure. They're going to have to cope without him. And and also, look, they're not, 
like the idea that he's been fixed. They ha- he hasn't he hasn't fixed United yet. Ten Hag, United are at a are in the position they're in, but they're certainly not. Um, you know, it's a work in progress. So you you take someone like Casemiro that side, and that's going to have a huge effect on things. Yeah, well, maybe he hasn't fixed the whole side, but he's fixed Marcus Rashford, who scored again. It was a very good header. Very, very good header. Yeah. And uh, it was next. Who put the ball in? Um, I'm not sure who it was. Was it Dallow? I think it might have been Dallow, yeah. Um, Another key player just recently back from injury. Yeah. Great header. Super header. Um, And also, maybe not fully fixed, but actually, I take that back. I was was about to say, you know, great goal from from Sancho. I, 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 I watched it again. Messier should save it, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. It's one of those he'll want back. You're right. He he made some important saves in this game. So I get I don't I don't know, call it even maybe, but I mean he is it was hit pretty centrally. Got a hand around it. I mean there's look, there's a lot of bodies between him and the ball. The way Sancho takes it, it's really like a it's like very Quick release yeah, on yeah. the shot. So maybe he was just kind of caught uh, by that. Maybe caught a little bit off guard. Plus, there's bodies between him and it. I, uh, I still kind of thought, eh, he probably, probably should be keeping that one out. That was but, what I thought. But it's very good for Sancho. So um, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, honestly, genuinely happy for the guy uh, who's only just come back into the squad. Obviously, played today. Um, reappeared in their recent FA Cup match as well. But, I mean, I don't know. Just like just thinking about what this experience has looked like for him at Manchester United, especially recently, you know, they, they've talked about him dealing with both physical and mental issues, but I think there's a little bit more of the emphasis on the mental side of that right now. Um, during the World Cup break, he was kept away from the team to train on his own in the Netherlands while the rest of the team went, where did they go, Cadiz? I think to tr- to train together, Ten Hag kind of kept him away. Um, he was just not right, and some of that it could be down to any number of reasons. There was some talk that his not his not being included in the England UEFA Nations League had some kind of impact on him. Um, who knows? It's interesting because he started the season well. He scored three goals in their first three games, but then a downturn in form. I don't know. I don't know what exactly it was that kind of set his mood um, down read, the path that it did. I read an article though. And I mean, you have to look at his time at United and in its totality. I think he was bought in at Manchester United with this idea that he'd take on people, beat them with skill, beat them with pace all the time. And he'd be some kind of winger. Whereas one of the articles I read about his time at Dortmund was everything he did was so much more choreographed. And they had such a specific role for him. So then he comes into kind of Oli's kind of revivalist ministry where he's trying to bring back the the, the feeling of, of, of the Lord and Savior, Alex Ferguson, and bring those days back. And it's just kind of not working. And then Ronaldo comes in and his position becomes a little bit... And, and then the next thing, he's out of the squad a lot. He's not yeah. starting a, lo- a lot of games. Um, he tweeted, I can't tell you how much I've missed this feeling. Oh, yeah. Um. Because it was seen as a coup when they got him. I know they'd been chasing him for a long, long time. But when they finally got him, it was seen as one of like the last pieces that were going to be put into this team that was going to go on and win the title. And it, it just never, never came together. Now, um, 
Now, in Ten Hag, he's going to get that level of coaching. He's going to get that level of, listen, this is where we want you. These are the zones we want you operating in. This is where we want you to receive the ball. This is exactly your role. And so maybe he goes on now, if he can put his injuries behind him and, and he flourishes and gets back to something uh, approaching the the player that we expected him to be originally. And, and I think Ten Hag believes in him. He said afterwards, it's in, it's in his own hands. If he wants, he can do. Um, so I think he's going to get the opportunity. I've just been thinking about it from, from Sancho's perspective because like he was so good so early in his career. Um at such a young age. And so like, if you think about it professionally, yeah, you know, he had to work extremely hard to get to where he is, but you know, for the most part, he hasn't, he didn't deal with a, a ton of adversity in his career. He was one of the best players very early on. And so this experience at United has probably been the I mean, definitively, it's been the most difficult patch of his career so far. So you, you combine that dealing with new adversity that you haven't had before. You combine it with the pressure of that price tag, you know, 73 million pounds um, and, you know, wanting to live up to that. Um, the the disappointment then of having to constantly hear about what a bust you've been for Manchester United from a rabid fan base that was just in a, a lengthy period of low morale and then fair or not, he kind of became one of the faces of that. You just put all of those different ingredients together and you can see how a guy could crack mentally under that. So, you know, we're in this era in sports where I, I think we look at the mental side of the game a little bit differently than they did, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, however. So so I, I can sympathize with a guy like that, and I can root for him to want to see him kind of battle those demons and, and defeat them. And so seeing him score that goal today, the joy that he showed, stuff he said afterwards about how good it felt, um, that's nice to see. That's nice to see. It is. And, you know, he did make a decision young to leave Manchester City. And and go and, and and do things in the, you know, in the Bundesliga and like, I just I just you know you randomly pull up from the eighteen nineteen season. So just in the Bundesliga alone, like he had thirty four appearances, twelve goals, and eighteen assists. Mm. Eighteen assists. I mean, he was a fabulous footballer. Yeah, just really, really is so. Um, as as much as I don't want to see United. <laughs> Uh, can can uh, continue their revival. Um, you know, you you got to be happy for him. One final question about that. You know, I was thinking about United and some of the players recently. You know, I say recently, over the last ten years or so, post Fergie. You know, some of the huge names that have gone there, mm. and it just hasn't really worked. You live in New York, JJ. You hear all the time about like the pressure of the the pinstripes. Oh, we couldn't handle the pinstripes. Guys yeah. talk about you know they're they're big name players that go to play for the Yankees that were good somewhere else. They come to New York and it just doesn't work there. Then they leave, they go somewhere else and they're good again. And it's like, you look at it and like, huh, couldn't handle it. Is that a thing for a club like Manchester United with oh, just yeah. like that fan base, the prestige of a club like that, where just like the weight of that, of that Jersey just is too much for certain guys. Yeah. It definitely is. It's certainly a thing when Sir Alex Ferguson isn't your coach or Sir Matt Busby isn't your coach. That's definitely a thing. Um, there's the great example from Ireland of um, uh, John Johnny Giles coming through with the Busby Babes in the early 60s, right? Um, well, after the Babes in, in 58 when they were rebuilding the team in the early 60s and um, just didn't work out for him at, at Man United. He goes on to Leeds 
and his career just takes off. He becomes one of the best midfielders in Europe. It can absolutely happen. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's something about playing at those big clubs. The pressure, the spotlight, it's it's way more intense. Yeah, like and you I, get. A- I'm not suggesting necessarily that Sancho is a guy like that who can't handle it, but I'm just I'm just kind of suggesting that there is there at a club like that. I think we can all acknowledge that sometimes it comes with a little more pressure than maybe at some other clubs. The microscope is is a little bit brighter uh, on oh. guys sometimes playing at that club than others. And I mean, no disrespect to Borussia Dortmund because I'm sure it matters massively to their fans, but uh, a couple of bad games for Borussia Dortmund doesn't really move this, the needle in terms of content and chatter and debate and analysis like a couple of bad games for Manchester United does. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, so 2-2 is how it ends and a fun one at Old Trafford uh, on a Wednesday in Manchester. Let's see. We continue now, JJ. A couple FA Cup results I know you wanted to mention here as America's, uh, I guess, America's third team. How many teams now in England are America's team? Well, this is a team from Wales that play in the, oh, English, right. Jeez. In the English pyramid, Andrew. Um, so this is very much... Uh, right now, this is very much America's team. Like, it's weird because when the show dropped first, a lot of people watched it. Then over Christmas, I'm referring to Welcome to Wrexham, mm-hmm. loads of people. And then there was a lull, and it seems to have picked up massively again. Like, there's lots of new people coming to it, and um, much to the chagrin of a, a, a wide variety of fans. But um, they're they're America's number one team now. Wrexham are a bigger team in America than any MLS team you want to name. That's a fact. Is that a fact? That is a fact. How does that sit with you? I there is I, no way, there is no way that the we'll say the amount of people that have watched Wrexham and consumed that show, not their games. I'm talking about that show and the interest and the buzz. There is no. MLS team has generated that at all close to it or has broken through the crust but, of American culture. But is that a true barometer of a team's overall popularity? Well, I mean, like you're living in the dark ages, Andrew. You're living in the age where you have to watch the match. That's not what happens. Like in terms of, of the content of Wrexham versus the content of MLS, it's not even close. Not even close. So are they, let's remove MLS from the from the conversation for a sec. Are they America's team more than Leeds is right now? Yeah. Because <laughs> I think you have to be more of a soccer person to, you know, to, to get into the Leeds thing. Whereas with Wrexham, you just have to be into celebrities and, um, oh, isn't this a quaint story? And, oh, isn't that interesting? And what is Ryan Reynolds doing putting his money into an old Welsh mining town? So, okay, we'll keep going with this. We'll keep going with this then. Are they America's team more than AFC Richmond is America's team? Well, that's closer. Okay. Um, But AFC Richmond isn't real. At least you can say this is real. Hmm. All right. So the tiebreaker is fiction versus reality. Reality wins. Wrexham is America's team. There you have it. It's the way it is. Um, They're out. They're out of the FA Cup. They lose the replay in in a thriller, in a really, really thrilling uh, contest. They end up losing by a couple goals after Sheffield United, uh, United score two in stoppage time. And it's heartbreak, JJ, for uh, Rob McElhaney and, and Ryan Reynolds. Very sad. Very sad. 
I'm not really, not really sad. Devastating. Uh, you know, I mean, this is, uh, I think they've done very well to get to the fourth round of the FA Cup. Um, take Sheffield United to a replay. I think that's great. Absolutely. Nothing, but nothing when wrong. they're that close to potentially winning it, I mean, a, a missed penalty that could yeah. have given them the lead. Well, now, granted, the fact that Sheffield United didn't, how many goals did it feel like they could have scored in the first half? How, how do you not convert a two on O? Oh, I mean, some some of the chances they missed uh, were were scandalous, absolutely scandalous. But the fact that that Wrexham were able to compete, I, I thought it was very interesting. How many times the ball and and concerning for me, slightly, how many times the ball was punted up to Paul Mullen, uh, Super Paul Mullen? That's another thing. I, I've met I've met Yanks on the street, heard them talking about the show, and they call him Super Paul Mullen. Thousands of miles away. Nobody's talking about MLS players on the street. Nobody. No, nobody. Is that right? Not unless the street's in Portland. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, but but the ball would go up to Paul Mullen, and John Egan was assigned to Markham, and I'm like, Paul Mullen's holding the ball up pretty well here. Like he's doing a pretty good job. Not a huge amount of support around him, but this is John Egan, former Premier League player, Irish international. You know, he's he's a good player. Uh, and it just then it reminds you that Paul Mullen dropped divisions to play for Wrexham. And then it reminds you there was money pumped into Wrexham. So they're they're more competitive than your average non-league team. And uh, and they proved uh, they proved that. Um, it was interesting afterwards, though, that the uh, some spicy co- uh, comments from goal scorer and um, all around legend, really, uh, center forward for Sheffield United. Billy Sharp had some things to say, Andrew, and maybe he's. He's more in tune with our MLS supporters who don't like this Wrexham story. How much did all the kind of extras around it with the owners and the social media and everything else, how did that, that kind of spur you all on tonight? Yeah, it was spicy. Um, our manager's not happy. He uh, was never happy with me, though, so I always score against him. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of them. Got another one over him. And it takes you through as well to a fantastic looking tie in the next round. I mean, Wrexham were kind of acting before the game, like they, they were already through. Yeah, you said it. Um, I thought it was a bit of, you know, lack of respect uh, towards us. Um, if you're there, whoever runs their Twitter account wants to be careful because, you know, they thought they'd play playing Spurs before they'd uh, even beat us. So, and a few comments from their players, which I won't say. Um, they know who they are. Um, yeah. I'm glad we've been tonight. Yeah, what about that? I mean, look, I, I if Wrexham made comments that were in some way disrespectful to Sheffield United, then okay, sure, have a go. You won. Um, but there is the other part of me that's like, it's a it's an FA Cup replay that you barely won against the non-league side. Like, and I know you you said that there's more money pumped into them than your average non-league side. Maybe that's true. It's still a non-league side. You're still a championship side. It's not maybe, Andrew. It's it's factual, and 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 it is the one thing about this fairy tale people are talking about. They messed up the pitch. They spent three hundred grand on the pitch. They messed it up, and then because they've got Rob and Ryan, they went back and paid another three hundred grand to fix the pitch. <laughs> now, I let me tell you, that's. That's not being done by everybody in the league. So um, I think there's also, if you're like a, a championship footballer, like uh, like Billy Sharp is, who's been up through the divisions, he's like, I mean, he's probably the, isn't he the EFL's all-time top score, goal scorer? Um, you know, he'll look at these guys and he'll probably, 
he'll want a bit of respect, just a bit of respect. And they really haven't shown it. And by the way, their their Twitter, he referred to their social media, their Twitter. I mean, they were getting excited about the idea of playing Spurs. Can you uh-huh. imagine that? Incredible. Like, that Especially be... if it was an away day for Wrexham, going to that stadium, non-league oh. side, fifth round of the FA Cup. And and you can what an episode you... that would be. Exactly. What an episode that would be. And and I'm sure. I mean, there's going to be another season of this show as well, which um, which is going to just it's going to swallow people. People people will want to watch this from the perspectives of the celebrities and the players and the and and everybody. Um, so yeah, the content machine keeps keeps running there. Yeah. Um, and then America's former team, Fulham, they get past Sunderland, another America's team in some ways with their series on Netflix. Boy, America. <laughs> I mean, uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you self censored there, Andrew. Always on this show, the rule is. Let your brain run. Another exciting game, though. Uh, 3-2. Fulham uh, made to sweat it out a little bit at the end as Sunderland grabbed a late one in stoppage time to get within one. But it is Fulham who go through to the fifth round uh, where it's Leeds now. Is it not that they'll be facing, I believe? Pretty sure. Uh, I I didn't look, but um, if you want to look there while I'm talking. um, uh, Kudos to Sunderland, though. Because, you know, Fulham are a fairly accomplished Premier League team now this season, playing very well. Uh, the first game was an absolute cracker, and a child scored in it, only for it to be ruled out. Like, Sunderland were nearly through, but a boy. 15, like, right? 15. I mean, it's... I mean, I mean... I've said this before. I don't know how a 15-year-old functions in a in a locker room of grown men i just like i don't know i don't know how that works uh i got i mean i made i think my i made my gaelic football debut at 16 and it was it was daunting because you're with guys who are twice twice your age you know it's it's mad um yeah we've never we've never fully talked about that what what age is okay to start playing in your view okay i would say i guess 18 yeah I, I mean, know. if you you because not everyone in that locker room is over thirty. You get a lot of guys who are under twenty five. You know, even that age gap. But an eighteen year old can kind of hang with you know guys in their young twenty, early twenties. Um, it's early. Like you're not, you are not an established adult at that point. Um, no, you like you're still forming. But I think eighteen, I'm okay with. Right. Chris uh, Chris Rigg is the player, of course, we're referring to. And he uh, came off the bench in the first game and um, scored. And then it was ruled out because uh, the player who played the pass to him was uh, offside in an offside position. Um, by the way, I should mention, Evan Ferguson made his debut for Bohemians in a preseason friendly against Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Frank Lampard's first game in charge of Chelsea, aged 14. Mm. That's the Evan Ferguson we now see scoring goals. So, yeah, it's uh, to me, it doesn't sit right. But anyway, 3-2. Uh, uh, Sunderland get knocked out by Fulham, but Sunderland put in in a very good performance. And uh, maybe it's a little early to say what a job Tony Mowbray is doing at Sunderland, but mm. um, I, and Eddie and Eddie Howe in training. I mean, it's what going well. Job. They're ninth in the championship, um, and they're heading in the direction that they they wanted to be in ever since we first heard of them from, from that documentary that we watched. <laughs> So um, yeah, no, it's um, they they actually, I know I didn't see this game because I was watching the other one, but their performance 
um, in the first game was really good. It was nice football. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Is there, I, I don't have an answer to this. I'm just flat out asking you, is there something about this sport that lends itself to being an entertaining documentary? Yes. What? Um, the peculiarities and the passion of small town working class people. I think that's what it is. Like they're so invested and it's so local that it means everything. That's what I think it is. Maybe that's it. And also the, I think if the access is decent, like once upon a time, the players on your local, local professionals, like they live down the road from you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they, you knew of their life was not that different from yours. Theirs is so different now that it's interesting to actually get in behind the scenes and see what it's like. But it's more interesting when it's at the lower levels. Like mad success, like Man City and um, Man City Asterix and, uh, you know, even Juve, even Tottenham, which is not success, but it's the highest level of football. Like some of that is just so sanitized and so clearly directed and pampered and looked after that the interesting stories are like the gritty ones, you know, like the two groundsmen making tea for each other, the young fellow, the apprentice and the old guy at, at Wrexham and their job is to mow the lawns. And you're like, what of their lives? <laughs> like, what is like, what is this? Or the bar owner who needs Wrexham to be good because his bar is literally adjoining the stadium. And like their lives are invested in it. It yeah. matters. That's so true. Much. Uh, you're right. Although having said that, I, I did also enjoy you know, the Amazon Tottenham documentary, the Arsenal one. Like I still, I still found yeah. it within myself to enjoy those as well. But you're right. Everything you're saying about the small time clubs, that it's, it's that I guess that doesn't really exist in the U.S. in quite no. the same way. I mean, maybe some minor league teams, maybe um, some college football teams. Yeah. Juco. I mean, look at JUCO. Juco basketball, Juco football has become a absolute content machine in this country. Why? Because these are guys where, like, they're living on the edge. They're right on the edge. They want to make a career out of this. Their career path is not guaranteed. Like, when you see Harry Kane going into training, Harry Kane goes into training for Tottenham. He's England's all-time leading goal scorer and is about to break Jimmy Greaves' record at Tottenham. Blah, blah, blah. Or, like, is that, after a while... That stops being interesting unless you really get nitty gritty, which you never will with those stars. But what about Paul Mullen uprooting his family so he can go to Wrexham to drop the divisions? He's going to get paid more, but he's dropping the divisions. But he'd be closer to home because he wants to be close to his family. Like there's all these different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, or the kid that literally at Juco football, if he doesn't make it, he has no, he's no safety net. He's no family with money. He has no back. Uh, he has no support system. He's got to make it, and that is just fascinating. I, I would never want to read a book about Derek Jeter. First of all, he tell you nothing. Second of all, he won everything. Boring. I would much. I if someone could give me Jared Lorenzen's autobiography, I would read that. Hmm. That's God rest him and all, but that's a story. Yeah, it's interesting. The comparison between guys, like you say, like Mullen, who go down the divisions where it's kind of like 
this is like there's more jeopardy there's more at stake it feels like for a guy like that so there's the interest of that versus a high profile club just kind of getting to know these star players that you you love and root for but don't really know and, and the process of trying to of finding out what they're actually like so i i find value in both of those things i'll be honest i do yeah there's a place for all of them um all right well let's go now jj from america's various clubs Sunderland, Fulham, Wrexham, Leeds. Let's go now to America's fifth team, uh, the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> now seem, their popularity now pales in comparison to that of some of these other lower league sides in England. Um, boy, Jim Curtin. I mean, it's it's one thing to be honest. It's another thing to, to be this honest. This was fascinating stuff um, on the, uh, what was it, JJ? Is it the Cracked Podcast? Yeah, it's uh, what Gutierrez and Onyewu. Yeah, um, they had him on, and um, you know we were talking about the the groundsman, the tea lady at these lower league teams. Jim Curtin would be the tea lady for the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> it but, feels so, like that. So, yeah, he, so the, he's he said to them, um, you know, they asked him about any interest potentially in coaching for the the national team. He said, "Of course, I'd love to coach the national team if that's what you're asking." Um, and it was indeed what they were asking. And uh, he continues by saying, but I said this before um, about being an assistant. And I mean what I say when I say it. That's how important I think this World Cup is. Uh, he was then pressed. They said they they asked him, you would leave your head coaching job to be a U.S. assistant? Yes. That was repeated. by that was then met with wow and man uh, from the hosts of the podcast. So there was. Um, there was clearly a little bit of surprise on their end with hearing that. A little bit of surprise for myself as well. Um, he said, although, uh, he did uh, say 2026, you guys understand it, but I don't think maybe the outside realizes how important this World Cup is. This is in our country, you know, with a good group of young players. Yeah. So that's why I say it. my initial reaction, I sent it to you right away with like the big eyes emoji yeah. of just like, wow, check this out. Um, so my initial reaction was a little bit of surprise, but the more I thought about it, I don't, I don't know that we should be so surprised by it. It's a di- like the soccer culture is different here. Like, I, I think that, you know, in England, in, in other, you know, countries abroad, uh, the leagues that they have are, you know, there's the prestige of those leagues is, as great or far greater than the prestige potentially even of the national team. Um, that's not the, like the soccer culture in the U S here revolves much more so around the national teams than it yep. does the domestic league. A thousand so, percent. So we kind of like there is like the, the prestige of that position is such that it trumps all. If you're a coach in this country, it's what MLS coaches, many of them, I would think, would all answer that the same way, that this is that's sort of a job that they're in many ways building towards. Um, so now maybe I'm a little bit surprised that he was so quick to respond that way about uh, being willing to take an assistant job. Uh, but he, he's sending a clear signal here to wow. this to the search committee. I'm here if you want me. And I'm sure they knew this already. I don't think that they're learning, get, gathering new information from uh, from a podcast. I'd like to believe that this is stuff that, you know, agents have made contact and whatever and things like that. Um, but for a, for the fans to hear this, it was a little, it was interesting. It was very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things you can say because of the nature of the soccer culture in this country that he's, he's not going to get crushed for by the Philadelphia Union fans. There's not going to be I think back- they get it. 
they completely get it. Um, and and it's it's funny. I do think it's a slight hyperbole in saying assistant. Like I'm sure he would take an assistant role, but if he took an assistant role, he'd probably be able to keep his union job. Um, if he was full time manager, it might be a little bit different. Although maybe the maybe the assistant does more. Maybe he do, he travels more in Europe viewing the players. That's probably part of the role. Um, so maybe he would have to quit. But it's kind of like if you ask me, um, you know, if you'd ask me, would would I like to? Would I would I have loved to play it for Liverpool or something like that? And I'd say, oh, I'd. I'd 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 be I'd be the groundskeeper there. I'd do anything there. I'd clean the seats. I'd clean the showers. Whatever you know, just to be involved. I think there's a kind of a. I think he wants the job. He wants the top job, is what I mean. Yeah, I, I think he's just oh, he'd tear me arm off or give me right eye for that. You know, I think he's he's kind of like being a bit um using a bit of hyperbole to say I'll take any job just to be involved with my country. I don't know if this is a if this is hyperbole. I get what you're saying, but I think he's serious. I think. If the if the assistant job is what he was offered, I think he would take it. No, yeah, you might be right. You well, might Tom right. Boger, Tom Boger tweeted. We know how he has his finger on the pulse of of all things U.S. soccer. He tweeted after this: uh, Jesse Marsh, head coach, plus Jim Curtin, assistant coach for the U.S. M&T, is a real possibility. I can tell you that. Obviously, it depends uh, who the new sporting director is and what they want to do with the coaching search. But Marsh Curtin would do it. Um, what a ticket. Yeah, Jonathan Jonathan Tannenwald followed up, obviously, who who covers all things soccer, but specifically in Philadelphia. So he has his finger certainly on the pulse of the union. Um, He followed up that tweet by saying Jim Curtin is in the last year of his contract with the union. Negotiations have been going on, but if they were done, we'd know. Clearly, they are not. And Jim Curtin is now in a position where he's thinking about other things. Or maybe this is negotiation posturing. Hey, union, think about life after me with all I've done at this club. Mm. I don't know. Because they're, again, I don't, I've already disparaged the league several times in this podcast, so I got to be careful. Um, there'll always be a job for Jim Curtin in the league. Like it's a, it's a low risk thing to say, you know, to go and, and, and manage with the US. He'll get a job somewhere else in the league after that. Um, oh, for, no, for him, I get it. Yeah, I'm saying for the Philadelphia Union, if he's entering the last year of his contract and he's talking openly about wanting, you know, about another job, mm. you know, he he is sending a signal to the Philadelphia Union. Hey, like if you want, I'm prepared to go do other things with my life and with my career. How bad do you want me to stay here? Uh, I suppose maybe it's because of the State of the Union last night, but now I'm thinking of like a presidential ticket, like Marsh Curtain. What would their like? What would their tagline be? Marsh Curtain. Um, Marsh Curtain 2026. There's got to be something snappy there. Oh, we're so dense, you and I. Yeah. Look at us sitting here with our jaws just... Uh, I should have thought uh, about it. Marsh Curtain. Hey, sure, why not? <laughs> you know what? But like, if someone told you right now that, that that's what it's going to be, would you sign up for it, or would you take your chances with whatever option B is? No, nah, I'd go for that. I'd go what for it, you? too. I'd sign up for it. What's, ba- what's bad about it? You know? I mean, I, I agree. I'm... Yeah, I, I, w- I would be for it. I mean, look, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what, to keep the political analogy going, what would the oppo research say? What's the opposition research on a Marsh Curtain ticket? I mean, there will be the people who, I guess, who tell you that Jesse Marsh, when he got to bigger clubs— it didn't fare well for him. 
Uh, there will be there will always be people. I mean, but Jim Curtin would be the assistant, so I don't think anybody would really be that critical of of maybe the best manager in MLS being the assistant coach for the U.S. But I, w- would some people say, yeah? But has he done it in Europe? Do you get that for assistant jobs? I don't. I think I don't think so. No, no. I'm in. I'm in on it. Marsh would be, you know, he's educated at Princeton, uh, but he's got that. He's he's from the mid. Like, where's he from? Um, Where's Jesse Marsh from again, Andrew? Why am I blanking on? um, I was going to. I was going to say he's from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, he's from Wisconsin. I was going to say Wyoming for some mad reason, but he's from Wisconsin. So he's got that kind of, he'd have that uh, uh, kind of middle America working class thing, but he'd also appeal to, you know, to the West Coast elites. Uh, you know, I, he's got, he's got, he's got the whole package there, you know? I mean, I'm actually thinking about him running for president. That's the mistake <laughs> I'm making here. How about, uh, Curtain or Marsh Curtain building for a better tomorrow, maybe oh, something like that. Oh yeah, oh I like that. Unless, do you know what the danger is though, Andrew? What the real danger here? Uh, if Curtain is like a sneaky, uh, kind of Dick Cheney style person who is really the power behind the throne, and he kind of uses the Constitution and kind of bends it a little bit. <laughs> Where where is this going? You've never seen Vice, have you? No, I haven't. But it's oh, on my queue. God, uh, it's Wait. on my queue. You beat my Vice. I've been the CEO of a major company. Oh, that's what it's some some brilliant scenes in it. Absolutely. Is it a brilliant. good movie? Uh, yes, it is okay. a good movie. Okay. I mean, some of the things are maybe presented a tad bit simplistically, but it's a it's it's <laughs> it doesn't feel. Certainly, uh, anyone who lived through that era, it certainly doesn't feel inaccurate in, a, in any sense. And it lays out a few things, uh, certainly in terms of, of how uh, Cheney used the Constitution to basically boost the powers of the of the vice president. It's yeah. a good film. Jim Curtin, by the way, you're talking about where Jesse Marsh is from. Jim Curtin, he's from uh, one town over from me, where I grew up. Wow. Like five minutes, if that. Okay. I bet he's excited for this Sunday. Stop trying to shoehorn the Eagles into our podcast. I think I'm going to, I think I've been going back and forth on what, what to do for this game. Cause these are the ones JJ, you can't get them. You can't get these wrong. Um, and, and with them being in it now, it just, my respect for you. Like, cause like the thought of paying the money, booking the flights on, on a whim to go to the game, like just, it's just so daunting. You know me, like I just, I can't do it. But I, I think about you in these moments where it's just yeah. like, Liverpool are in a Champions League final, and and the flight is is so much more extravagant. Like it's it's much more extravagant of of a trip than yeah. what I'm talking here in the U.S. But you just do it, you just yeah. do it. I have such, oh, I have such respect for that. I really do. Not even yeah, no I, joking. I stick the consequences in in my life, Andrew. Uh, not always, but regularly. I've put the consequences of my actions on the later base. <laughs> that will be dealt with later. Yeah, well, that this is one of those situations. So basically, my plan is a, a close friend of my, one of my best friends of my entire life. Um, he lives basically like a block and a half off of Broad Street in Center City, right? Which is, if the Eagles win, that's where it's at. Like that, everybody congregates there, and it's just like an all-out party in the streets, and it's amazing. And once, once in my life, I would like to see that and be a part of it. So we've decided the whole family we're all going there. Oh. Um, another one of my closest friends going there too, and so. Like if they if the Eagles lose, 
I'm going to just, I'm just leaving. I'm going back to New York that night and I'll just weep on the two hour drive home. But if they win, it's kind of one of those all bets are off scenarios for me where like, I haven't really thought about how, how's this going to work for me getting into work on time the next day, but it's like, I'll figure it out. I'll just figure it out. Sometimes you just have to be in the moment. Effort. Like, oh, completely. You have to just grasp these things. Now, the thing about it, even though I kind of felt there was something special happening with Klopp, you cannot take, in, in, in 2018, I couldn't take for granted the fact that they'd, oh, they'll be back there again soon. No, they were back the following year. Yeah, and they won. <laughs> so, but that, but that, that was a particularly special team and a, and a special manager. So, but I just saw, I just, I just thought, why not? Why not? If, you only come yeah. around the block once. I know. I know. You're right. You're right. Uh, the trips that you made, Paris, Kiev, mm. over under 5,000. Oh, geez. Why? Way over. Now, the second one I did well because I okay. used my Chase Air Miles. I was real. Oh, Americans had their credit cards. Well, uh, listen, well. Dutch Dutch friend. <laughs> it actually worked out because uh, that, that flight was completely covered uh, by my Chase Freedom card. Nice. Which was, nice. uh, for once, I applauded and uh, was thankful for free market capitalism and the rule that the banks have over our lives. Yeah. So that's Jim Curtin. Uh, <laughs> Curtin <laughs> Marsh. Uh, yeah. I'll be, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, if there are people out there that are waiting for for something better in terms of the leadership of, of this group of players, um, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I'd like to hear what you want you know i i tweet us you know go on the reddit page let us know because i i i don't know for me that's one that i if we move forward with that i think i'd be comfortable with it i'd feel good about it so curtain we'll marsh pressing america forward oh it's a great mm. one pressing america a little bit forward. of soccer terminology yeah yeah like that mm. Mm. curtain marsh no marsh curtain Lowering your taxes. Oh. Again, again, I'm thinking about them running for president. Yeah. yeah. That one's very literal. <laughs> lowering your tax. Nobody's Just, going to use that one. No That's one t- really uses like one of they their, ne- like nothing. Their, Don't their campaign ever make a, promises as never, their slogan. Never make a promise. Never. Don't put no. a promise in your slogan. No, not in the slogan itself. No. Hostage to fortune. Yeah. Curtain, uh, Marsh Curtain. Eliminating the death penalty just doesn't have a ring to it. <laughs> um, let's see. We Mar- can wait. No, now. come on. I'm not oh. Marsh Curtain conquering Concacaf. That's not what we're looking for. No, we're not. We're they not want to conquer bo- the world. This is oh. the World Cup. Not the, they're not running for Gold Cup office. This isn't have... some local election, JJ. This is I the know. real thing. You can't have American. Uh... American pr- uh, candidates, you know, talking about conquering. You can't have that. No. no. Uh, let's see. MLS, uh, it's on the horizon. We're, we're closing in on it. We'll have to have our season preview um, coming up in the next few weeks, I would imagine. Yeah. I, I, um, oh, oh. Can everybody, when we uh, tweet out this link to the podcast, at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter, caught offside pod on Instagram, can you reply in the comments? Retweet it first and then reply in the comments whether or not you've signed up for the Apple Plus MLS package. Oh, yeah. 
I'd like to know. know. Kind of like a, a little informal poll. Yeah. Everyone has to do that. Even if you're our, our Norwegian listener, whose name I forget, Lars. you have to do it. It's not Lars. It's a girl. Come on. Oh, well, you talked last week on the uh, or the other day on the podcast. It, it, it was clearly a made up person. But you said no. you were at the bar with a Norwegian. You then no, paused for a... about 15 seconds while you could think of a Norwegian name and you landed no. on the most cliche one. No, they, it's they obviously were... not real. It's like when a stand up comedian tells a story. We all know it's not real, but we enjoy it anyway. <laughs> no, it w- they were a husband and wife couple, Lars and Heidi. That's the facts of it. <laughs> it's not made up. Dear. The delivery, your delivery made it seem like it was made up and you were just stalling for time while you could think of a Norwegian name. Well, excuse me, Andrew, because maybe I was tired and I just couldn't quite remember all my Norwegian friends' names. But even if you're the guy in Norway, just a, a retweet and then vote. I need to know. I need to know more about this, uh, about these people signing up for Apple to watch MLS. I just watched Narvik, by the way, on uh, Netflix, a World War II movie take place in Norway. Really good. Really good. I uh, thought it was a very good movie. Uh, but, JJ, tell me, so we've talked about this for a while now. We've we've all known anybody who even kind of casually from afar follows MLS. If you've been kind of keeping tabs on on the situation with the new TV deal, they've been giving us little breadcrumbs for a while now that the postseason format was in for a change. If you were somebody who was a fan of the one-and-done scenario, well... <laughs> it was going to be we all kind of the writing was on the wall it was going to be a thing of the past and it feels increasingly jj like we're headed for that yeah i mean the athletic are reporting that the single elimination format that went from 19 to 22 which i think we all thought was pretty successful top seven teams from each conference uh qualified for the playoffs i thought it it filled things with drama it was only 13 total postseason matches and i think that's the rub i think they want more content. They want more, um, basically more games on this new platform. Um, more so postseason sort- games because that's really where that's when Post- eyeballs come to the screen. That's where money is made. It's in the postseason. So they, it's it is what it is. Yeah. Now here's what the Athletic are reporting. Uh, sources provided the Athletic with an additional update this week, saying that as part of the proposed shift to a best of three first round. MLS is also considering expanding the field to include nine teams from each conference. If adopted, the ninth, the eighth and ninth seeds would contest a play-in match with the winner advancing to face the first seed from their respective conference in the best of three conference quarterfinals. This format would include a minimum of 25 playoff matches. Beyond increasing inventory for Apple and generating additional revenue for owners. The thrust of the idea, the sources said, is to keep more teams in contention for playoff places later in the regular season. Allowing 18 teams total into the field would also mean that 62% of the league's 29 teams will qualify for the postseason. Yeah, see, this is this is silliness to me. Oh, it's madness. That's too much. I mean, it's a... You know, there's you already with the postseason format being what it was in the first place, you already had people kind of questioning the importance of the regular season. I mean, you take it a step further now um, and and increase it to this level where, what would you just say, over 60% of MLS clubs will make... 62% according to the Athletic. <laughs> Come on. Like, uh, look, I, and I understand what they're doing. That, you know, it's not lost on me that they want to make sure that, that every fan, almost every fan base feels invested in some way um, in the season, as deep into the season as possible. That's what they're going for here. Um, but at a certain point, it's like... Do you want your postseason to to be of the highest quality or not? Um, yeah, and again, and I think that they probably think, well, that will happen. 
you just have to you're going to have to sit through a first round where maybe that's not the case but then the cream will rise to the top uh, we'll weed out the ones and, and you'll get the postseason that you want with I your mean, best you're, teams you're crushing your games in like july and august you're killing them like they're just they're meaningless and at least in the last few years you could have said well we kind of saw races in the east and west you know, going down maybe close to the final day for getting in, scraping over the line for the playoffs. Now you now now it's like you can almost ease into it. You can be bad, really bad. Best of three, too. Oh, not not just much. going to a two leg, but going going to a kind of more Americanized best of three format. Nah. Um, I mean, look, I, I don't know. I don't I don't like being the person who just rips on change. Like I, I think we we do but a this decent is kind of reversion, well, sort of yeah. So something we've kind of seen before. I don't know. I was kind of we we've talked about on this podcast that we liked the MLS playoff format. Um, I worry that you know with something like this, that many teams, lengthier series, um, will it will the postseason drag a little bit? Will the excitement of the beginning kind of taper off a little um, as it goes? That's a risk that you run. Look, I understand it. Like the the format as as it was was not going to work in this new environment on Apple TV. They just needed more games. It's as simple as that. It wasn't enough. So, I guess that that doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, I just don't always. I don't know something about changing your playoff structure, changing the way you decide a champion because of not like sporting integrity, but because of TV contracts. Just Something about that feels wrong to me, I but it's but like sadly we have to sit here and kind of just say, well, it's the way of the world. Well, it's not. It's not so much the way of the world. It's the way of 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 U.S. sports. I mean, the the TV deals that have been entered into, MLS basically gave up on ratings on terrestrial TV. They said we're not going to do play this game anymore. It's not working for us. We're going to do something different. Mm-hmm. And a company came in with who could give them the most amount of money, but what they were doing was going behind a paywall and that they could be dictated to in terms of producing more content and more content. And again, we're back to this whole thing about content again. It's That's a dirty word. This is supposed to be sporting integrity. This is supposed to be the best teams playing, but we're not going to get that. Well, you will. You will. You're, it just, Andrew, it's going to just ha- the world happen after and the, the first round. The world and its mother are getting into these playoffs. Like the regular season is now being neutered. And if if me and you had one problem with MLS and covering it over this almost a decade that we have now, it's in July and August talking, trying to talk up stories. Like sometimes there was great stories at the top, but like there was nothing to say at the bottom. Nothing no, you're, to say. You're, look, I get what you're saying, but I, I'm going to choose... There are things about it that I don't love, but in terms of like the idea of, of not getting the best teams to decide your champion, I, like we could say that if we wanted to about the current Champions League format. You know, some of the teams that qualify for the Champions League are are not anyone's idea of the best teams. Now they qualified fair and square, but like no, we always no, say, like not, the, but the, not, the group but stage that's... of the Champions League gives you that. And then, that... like, once you get to the knockout stage, then you the cream has risen to the top, and now you get your best teams duking it out. Sorry, that's not that's not an accurate analogy, Andrew. Those teams all competed in their domestic leagues to make the top four. Right. Right. Or whatever whatever criteria was in those leagues. Like there uh-huh. is there was effort. There was they were the best in what they did. They got to qualify then for the Champions League into the this this format and it's 
it's it's if anything it's money that separates the tops and the bottoms then this is different this is like rigged like it's completely rigged there's there's well, no you still have to earn your way in I, andrew you have to be supremely crap not to make your way in crap but but my point is just that like with the Champions League, the cream will rise to the top and you will get a playoff that is decided among the best teams. You're just going to have to wait around to get to that. Yeah, after like after neutering your 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 domestically your uh, regular season, then you're going to neuter your uh the, like the best thing about the the single the knockout stages was like you're in and you're watching a game and and everything matters. The tension of it was the was fantastic. It was great TV. Like was, like we all agreed in 2019 that this was the best thing that they've done. So and to revert back to this is I think is is madness. Ah, uh, the way of the world, JJ. The way of the world. Well, don't forget retweet at CEO Soccer Pod and leave a comment and let us know have you signed up for this Apple TV deal for MLS. Uh one other MLS note um Nothing done yet, but LAFC and Chelsea appear to be at least talking, working towards some kind of deal to send Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to MLS and LAFC. Um, this is one of one of those that I looked at and thought, hmm. Like we, We've been forced to confront this many, many times. Aging player in Europe, once prominent, now not quite so much. Um, and when those players come to MLS, we've seen the results of that go in varying directions. Sometimes it's an incredible success. Look at like a Robbie Keane, um, a David Villa. Um, you know, there's been players where it's been uh, hugely successful. And then there's others, uh, you know, an Iguain, a Gerard, that it's been a, a complete failure. So now if this does happen, and there there are hurdles to this still because, uh, you know, th- there's financials that have to be worked out. If LAFC uh, want to see if Chelsea are going to be willing to pay for Aubameyang's salary for the next few months, there's a report from uh, Spanish media, uh, Relevo, that say Chelsea would do this. We'll see if that actually bears itself out. Um, but now we're in the position of looking at this move, should it happen, trying to decide, okay, which which direction do you think Aubameyang to LAFC goes is it the the one of the success stories or is it the one of the failures I don't know you know, I'll say this I don't have a good feeling about it no I don't either it's funny when we I suppose when we talked about Aubameyang that first season at Arsenal like like he was a dynamic forward like he was a really good player and now when I think of him I don't I mean I just I can't visualize him really putting in the effort in a league that Despite what people will, you know, say about it, including myself, sometimes you have to work hard. You have to run. I mean, I read an article today about how he probably wouldn't even fit into LAFC style. You know, uh, no, no, no real sense that they're shifting their recruitment policy by replacing Gareth Bale with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. I don't love it on the face of it. It doesn't mean he can't come in and score a truckload of goals. Well, I don't know that. It, is it replacing Bale? Like. Or is it replacing Arango, who just left for Pachuca? Yeah, probably that. Well, definitely. Because Bale, how much was Bale even playing? Like, it's not really. That's a good point. That's a good point. He hardly played at all. I I, I just don't love it. And attitude-wise. Yeah. Guy like that in Los Angeles, end of his career. I mean, you but, saw how how you know how badly Arsenal wanted to get rid of him. Oh yeah, they couldn't wait, and and it and it was so mad when Chelsea signed him. It was weird, like genuinely weird. Yeah, 
And uh, now you see again, it's kind of that is sort of repeating itself. He's only just gotten there, and already Chelsea are potentially willing to pay him to go. Like that's there are red flags everywhere. I don't yeah, know. I don't Look, LAFC it. have taken some of these guys. They, you know, they've gotten a tune out of them. Um, so who knows? Maybe it, maybe it's the right speed, the right club at the right time. It's it's possible. But if I were putting my money on one side or another, I just I don't know. I don't like it. I don't have a good feeling about it. No, me neither. So, do uh, you have anything else, JJ? Just one more thing. Uh, so, FIFA are reportedly in a deal with uh, Visit Saudi, mm. the Saudi Arabian uh, promotions campaign for their tourist board, I guess. Uh, in a deal with Visit Saudi for the Women's World Cup to be a sponsor at the Women's World Cup, which uh, I can't remember who it was, but there was someone in uh, USA Today who was writing about it. And their opening paragraph was, what? The Taliban... Oh, oh, I have it here. Nancy Armour. Uh, FIFA's reported deal with Saudi Tourist Bureau is latest insult to women's game. Opening line. What? The Taliban wasn't available? Wow. Yeah. FIFA might be lacking a moral compass and any sense of shame, but its partnership with Visit Saudi for the Women's World Cup this summer uh, shows it still has plenty of spite. It's... um. It's such a dreadful, I don't, like, I'm not going to insult our audience by going into all the reasons why this is a terrible idea. Um, But unlike in the men's game, there are people who will be quite vocal about how this is a terrible idea, um, pairing up with these uh, dictatorships. And um, Alex Morgan was one of them. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think it's bizarre that um, FIFA has looked to have a Visit Saudi sponsorship for... uh, for the Women's World Cup when I, myself, Alex Morgan, would not even be supported and accepted um, in that country. So uh, I I just don't understand it. Um, I think that um, what Saudi Arabia can do is put efforts into their women's team that was just formed only a couple of years ago and doesn't even have a current ranking um, within the FIFA ranking system because of the such few games that they've played so um that would be my advice to them and and i really hope that um that fifa does the right thing i mean pretty much everyone has spoken out against that um because morally it just doesn't make sense yeah it's fairly fortright stuff there um yeah. just mad idea there like is there any there was this joke, and again, I'm not comparing Shaq to anybody. I'm just using him as an analogy. There was a joke about Shaquille O'Neal and, and, and like endorsements and money that this is how Shaq answered the phone. The phone rings and he goes, I'll do it. Like, are FIFA just like that? Is there, I is mean, there... Saudi Arabia are clearly putting on an all-out blitz to, well, to insert themselves into this sport in, in as many ways as they can. Sports in general. I mean, live golf. Yes. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, now... You hear reports about them ramping up their 2030 World Cup campaign. You see this inserting ads into the Women's World Cup. Messi, Ronaldo. Yeah. So I mean, like this is this is a you know a new they own a Premier League team for God's sake. Like yeah. you know this is this is a calculated effort that they are making uh, in going about it this way. So, um, am I surprised that FIFA is 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 going along with this? No. Well, when you how saw the any, way, how could anyone be? When you saw the way uh, Infantino acted at the press conferences during the World Cup, you know, the very first one right before it, today I feel gay. 
today I feel like a migrant worker, all this stuff. Like, well, today he feels Saudi. Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, no shame. Absolutely none. They, they, and, and good for Alex Morgan. She won't be the only one, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, that is about all I got. Yeah. JJ. I got just one quick one. Oh, my goodness. He never ends. From the Reddit. Um, following on with the Manchester City news from Monday. Um, this is Wiki Wild. Uh, he says, I don't agree with the boys at all that City shouldn't have their title stripped. If every trophy was won directly from cheating, I can't understand allowing them to keep the titles at all. That being said, I don't want those trophies reallocated to whoever was runner-up, no, even no. being a Liverpool fan, because City already stole those moments from whoever was runner-up for all those trophies anyway. It doesn't make any sense to me to allow them to keep those honours. The Tour de France took away all of Lance Armstrong's titles when he was proven guilty because he cheated to get them. I don't see how this situation with City is any different. Just shouldn't be allowed to keep your honours if you cheated to get them. That just doesn't seem like it should be how the world works, in my opinion. So Fair I don't think point. We... My, my, my point to it wasn't necessarily that it's not I'm not saying that it's an impotent response. Um, I'm saying that I just believe if if we're laying out different punishment options, OK, go ahead and do both. I just think future punishment is more of a deterrent than retroactive punishment. I'll, I'll always believe that. Um, I think so. so. I mean, that's just that's just the way I see it. Like, I, I, I'm i a fan of Syracuse. I went to Syracuse. Lord knows they've been through their fair share of, of college basketball mishaps and have fallen on the wrong side of rules violations a few times in the last 20 years or so. And and as part of that, their coach, you refer to him as Coach Old Man, Jim Beheim. he lost a hell of a lot of wins off of that. I don't care. <laughs> I I don't care. It in That in no way impacts me. You know what I cared about? When they got a postseason ban and couldn't compete in March Madness. That I cared about. Yeah. Um, if they lost their 2003 championship, it, I mean, it would suck. Like, I, I wouldn't be thrilled that that would be written out of the record books. But like, I was there. I saw it. I have memories of it. Like, ultimately, okay, it's not in the record books. Do people read them? Like, is that a th- like? Where are the record books? Who care? Like, I just don't care as much. I get if you want to if you want to make it. Like an, a a part of the punishment, that's fine. But if it's the punishment, then it's nothing. It yeah. has to be accompanied by some sort of future punishment as well. Otherwise, it's not a suitable deterrent. And I also think, like Aguero and that amazing moment, that's calcified and solidified in the minds of everyone. Now that happened, that joy happened, that moment, that explosion, that can't be taken away. It's there. Now. The problem with these things is, and he talks about Lance Armstrong, I think a better example is Floyd Landis. When Floyd Landis won his tour in 2006, he barely got off the bike. And, he, and, and people were saying, well, you cheated. We've got, we've got tests. We've got evidence. It went straight into arbitration, into court. And by the next year, he's been stripped of that title. Like the justice in these things has to happen quickly. And it's too late now. So the only punishments can be going forward. Like the Der Spiegel piece came out in 2018 and it took the Premier League were alerted by that and a couple of other things and it took them four years to get to this point. But by 2018, the the um, the infractions, the alleged infractions by Manchester City had been going on for almost nine years. Like if you can't get get to the crux of these issues, get to the the problem immediately, it's too late. And that's why a football regulator who a body 
an organization independent of the Premier League and, and, and the AFL and everything that literally has people who can point out the wrongdoing as it's happening and say, this isn't right. That form's not right. That transfer wasn't right. That sponsorship wasn't right. At, at the point of it happening, otherwise it's lost. Yeah, but that'll never happen because JJ Man City it, have enlisted the work of Lord Panic. Lord Panic. Oh my God. Yeah. Lord Panic. He's the lawyer that they have. Uh, you know, I, I, a buddy of mine um, sent me a. He sent me the tweet, I guess, talking about Lord Panic and what he what his rates are, and basically they're not. The, what was quoted is incorrect. He's not getting ten thousand dollars an hour. <laughs> but if he, but if it's believable, that's the mad thing. And what would be what would be so amazing and ironic is if like. Maybe Manchester City were not actually, maybe they hadn't run afoul of financial fair play, but maybe like enlisting his services put, maybe that puts them over the edge. And like now <laughs> paying him uh, what would essentially amount to like him being the fourth most expensive player on Manchester City. If like now they're, they're now they're in violation of financial fair play. You know how mad this whole thing has got like and how kind of balkanized and, and, uh, and tribal. So, Man City are now like this is City Extra, which is a City fan account essentially tweeting all news about Manchester City, mm-hmm. and they announce it's Lord Panic, right? And they have a picture of Lord Panic, like he's a new signing or oh, a new yes. manager. <laughs> are you ready for this, Lord Panic KC? Like his stats, green tick, beat the government over Brexit twice. Oh. Green tick successfully appealed against UEFA's Man City ban at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Green tick and their final one because you have to have three. Two isn't enough. No, three is helped fend off a lawsuit from Joe Royal following his Manchester City sacking. Joe Royal, Joe bleeping Royal was the guy that got these little twerps promoted twice up out of the second division, or excuse me, the old third division. Helped fend off a lawsuit from Joe Royal following his like they're lauding. This is his stat. Yeah. This is like this is why, uh, you know. I mean, are they going to make up a chant about him? Definitely. Like, yeah. Lord Panic. Hey, Lord, and you know what? He's Lord Panic, Baron Panic as well. Oh, this sport always delivers. Oh my God! It, is Britain one of the greatest repositories of nonsense in the world? <laughs> like they love their nonsense. Absolutely. And yet I'm, a, I am, I'm a. Full-blown Anglophile. I oh, can't I get know. enough of it. I, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, like like City fan TV, like and, uh, Arsenal come out and they go, well, we've got um, we've got Lord Blackstone. Uh, he was Queen's Council, right? He worked for the Tories, right? He was brilliant for them. Absolutely fantastic. And then the Man City guy comes and goes, no, 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 no. If you look at the stats, right, look at Panic. Panic's been one of the best. He's been one of the top. An absolute top, top King's Council. One of the best lawyers you can have. And and we only pay 10 grand an hour for him. <laughs> absolute steal. A bargain. <laughs> this is where we're headed. Yeah, I want to hear. I need to hear Troops' take. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine Troops? Jesus. Oh, it's too much. It's too oh. good. Um, well, this was good as well, my friend. Should be a fun weekend of Premier League action. Um, if you thought Manchester United and Leeds was feisty, 
in the midweek matchup, well, they're back at it again just a few days from now, and this one back at Ellen Road, so that should be uh, a lot of fun. That one's on Sunday at 9 a.m. Yeah. Um, I, I should mention, too, I, I haven't said this yet, Tottenham, Leicester City, uh, Hugo Lloris out for a couple months with a knee injury. Um, so Fraser Forster time, Ooh. I suppose. <laughs> Not so good with the feet. Ooh. Just play um, it safe, Fraser. Yeah. He's going to be whacking them 60 yards. That's all right. Yeah, Harry Kane's going to have a crick in his neck. Uh, Arsenal-Brentford. Interesting one. Arsenal are at home. They've got Brentford. That's Saturday at 11. And then, if like, that is a a tough enough game. Brentford are a good side. And then, of course, midweek next week, Arsenal host Manchester City. So it's this is like after their wobble last week, they got away with it, more or less got away with it. Now they've got to put that little bit of form in against Brentford. And then if they beat City next week, Andrew, we might be talking about Champions, Champions elect. elect. Also, too, I should say uh, the Eddie Howe Cup is this weekend, Bournemouth and Newcastle. So yeah. keep your eyes open. What a job Eddie Howe has done there. Indeed. Say. Indeed. Hey, what a job you've done. I enjoyed this very much. Uh, enjoy the soccer this weekend. I'll be enjoying the Super Bowl and the soccer, but also hopefully mainly the Super Bowl. Can I extend the hand of friendship? Of course. I will I... shake the hand of friendship. Good. Uh, I wish your Eagles the very best luck. I think the ideal scenario for everyone is a Mahomes win. Um, Define everyone. Everyone that doesn't live in that town of yours. But uh, I wish you the best. I hope you have an enjoyable evening. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, to everyone out there listening, our appreciation is is very high. Thank you very much. Feel free to rate and review the podcast. It helps with the podcast visibility. And, of course, reach out to us anytime. We always love taking your tweets, your mail, at uh, COSoccerPod on Twitter, CaughtOffSidePod at gmail.com, and also CaughtOffSidePod on Instagram. Is that right, JJ? Or is it COSoccer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all we're it's all over the place. It's everywhere. Uh hey, this was fun, man. To you I say Lord Panic. I'll see ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 